welcome to the Coronation Conversations podcast series, where we discuss economic, market, growth and development trends, as well as relevant topical themes. My name is Chinwe Egrim, Chief Economist of Coronation Merchant Bank, and I will steer these conversations. Each episode promises to be interesting, and I am confident you will receive insightful nuggets from our discussions. Now let's get started. In this episode, we will be dissecting how businesses fared during the peak of the pandemic last year. And the topic of our conversation is from crisis to confidence. My guest today is a well-known industry expert within the aviation industry and across significant growth sectors, Ms. Adefunke Ademi. Ms. Adefunke Ademi was recently identified as one of the 200 most influential people of African descent globally in recognition of her achievements. She joined the International Air Transportation Association in 2009 as the country manager for Nigeria and English-speaking West Africa. And in her current role as a regional director for member and external relations for Africa and the Middle East, covering 68 countries, she advocates for the overall sustainability and growth of the aviation industry. Ms. Adefunke Adeyemi is a member of the African Leadership Network, an associate of the Worldwide Institute of Directors, and a member of the Nigerian Economic Summit Group. Thank you so much for being here with us today, Ms. Adeyemi. Thank you, Chinwei. It's a pleasure to be here. In early 2020, the coronavirus pandemic struck without warning, resulting in an economic downturn across economies around the globe, Nigeria inclusive. This had a huge impact on the business environment as most businesses were forced to go into survival mode as they navigated new economic realities. Um, This episode will focus on how specific businesses, the airline industry inclusive, have been able to model through and their respective views on the current business climate as well as consumption patterns. So I'll just go straight to it. So the first question I have for you is the airline industry, of course, was one of the hardest hit sectors from this pandemic. Are there any signs of players within the aviation industry consolidating in the wake of this pandemic? That is, signs of mergers in Nigeria or across Africa. All right. Thank you, Chimwe. I think before we start talking about, you know, the adaptations that have had to necessarily come out of the COVID crisis, let's first talk about what the impact was, um, not just on the industry, but on on the world itself. So what is aviation's role um, within the global context and within economies? A lot of people see aviation as uh, just a means of transportation. I get on a plane and I go to uh, my destination. But aviation really is a catalyst for socioeconomic development and growth, as you had said in the in your opening remarks. But beyond that, aviation is also a super connector. And aviation connects the world and had done so over the past you know, 100 years since aviation um, had, had started. And of course, since the discovery of the jet engines that really helped propulsion uh, and speed, aviation has really been able to connect the world in ways that it never was connected before. And what the COVID-19 did is that it fragmented that connectivity in such a all-encompassing way. 
because governments simply closed down their borders uh, as a result of the pandemic. That was understandable at the time because one, the science was uh, quite unknown and evolving. And secondly, there was quite a lot of fear in, in the hearts and minds of governments who were responsible for their people. And the idea that this um, virus could go across borders um, through different modes of transportation, including air transport, was something that governments all over the world were concerned about, including ours in Nigeria and in all parts of Africa. But the impact of that has, is the biggest shock that the world certainly and, and the aviation sector has ever seen. And we've had a few shocks in our time. The aviation sector is an industry that is susceptible to external shocks, uh, including economic shocks, um, uh, as well as, as physical um, and, and external environmental shocks. But if we go to 2009, we had the Great Recession all around the world. And the industry, of course, would be impacted by that because um, economic downturns always impact people's uh, uh, propensity and cap capacity to travel. Um, but, you know, the 2009 was one of the biggest um, shocks to hit the industry in 2008, 2009. And then we had 9-11. Um, then we had, you know, um, other ones, even going far back into 1991 and so on. We had 2003, we had SARS pandemic, but nothing, nothing, nothing could have prepared the industry and the world for the impact of COVID-19, not just in terms of um, the economic uh, um, drastic slowdown, um, but also for our industry, it brought it almost to a complete halt and a standstill. And what that meant was that for airlines, uh, many airlines, most airlines stopped flying, simply stopped flying, apart from cargo services that were moving around um, PPEs that were needed uh, and, and medic medicines and, and, and so on and, and essential personnel. But... Um, it also meant that the people who worked for those airlines and also the, the ecosystem surrounding the airlines also came to a complete halt. A lot of those people lost jobs and so on. So to the fact that in 2019, aviation supported um, over one point something uh, a million of GDP contribution, billion GDP contribution, 1.9 billion contribution for to Nigeria's GDP and uh, supported about 900,000 jobs. And by the time we were in the middle of the, the crisis, we saw those numbers halve, so over 50% of those numbers. And the similar picture all across Africa and, and the region that I cover, and, and as well as the rest of the world. So it's really been a great shock. And the, the first things uh, to be dealt with were first how to come out of this crisis, how to to start restart and then how to look at recovery. And so your question speaks more to the recovery part, which I'll, I'll talk to in a little bit, but the restart it was really one of the key issues that we had to focus on. Uh, and as I mentioned before, at the peak of the crisis, traffic was really down, but international traffic, which is, you know, connecting cities um, within continents or across continents was down by 98%, meaning no traveling whatsoever, none. 
Now, as we started to come out of the crisis slowly, we started to see a restart. So, yes, governments had um, their borders um, closed completely. And then we started to see borders reopening with certain protocols and certain rules put in place. And what that did was it allowed people to start to move again, allowed people to start to travel again um, under certain conditions. So we put in place as, as the industry what we called biosafety measures through the travel corridor from your pre-departure all the way to your arrive on your on, on to the other side. And these were biosafety measures like, you know, masking, social distancing, uh, distancing uh, disinfection of the, the airport terminal, the aircraft, um, social distancing measures um, on aircraft uh, and so many other measures that were put in place collectively as an industry to ensure that that travel restart was as safe and as secure as possible. And for many who don't know, uh, travel within aviation is actually um, safer <laughs> or, or, or as safe as having an open heart surgery in, in, in a theater. And that in terms of the air quality on an aircraft and also the, the travel corridor and the travel process. So, so we started that process. And then government started to also put in measures. So they moved from quarantine to pre-departure testing uh, without the need for quarantine and so on. And many of us, many the, the world has become used to that. And then we started to see, okay, how, the, how did the industry itself adapt to the impact? So of course, from airlines that were shut down, that had to let go of thousands of staff all around the world and, and in our region. We saw um, eight, about eight airlines in Africa uh, closed down. We know that there was severe financial pressure on the airlines, but they had to come back and they had to adapt. So for many airlines that were formerly majorly passenger carriers, a lot of them had to focus on cargo. And cargo became a lifeline for many airlines and actually helped many airlines survive. And cargo is now considered mainstream aviation rather than, um, you know, always almost the, the, the forgotten part of aviation as, as was the case before. So cargo became a lifeline. Domestic travel became a lifeline. Of course, as we started to, to see the restart, people started traveling first within their countries, then first within their regions, and then before they started going internationally. So we started to see how the traffic was picking up. And it started first with domestic and regional and then international, as I, as I mentioned. Uh, we also saw the speed of recovery varying across many regions. So Nigeria was one of the countries that opened up uh, relatively quickly uh, just after the summer of uh, 2020, uh, along with many other African countries, whereas uh, big markets like uh, uh, USA, um, uh, many parts of Europe and so on, still remained closed to international traffic. Uh, and so you know, Africa, you know, seemed to, to start the recovery, although the volumes were not as, as much as they could have been. And then financial performance as well. You know, we saw that varying across the regions. Um, uh, North America was very uh, one of those that is able to recover quicker uh, because they have a very dense um, traffic compared to Africa that was struggling anyway. So that's where we were up until now and we started to see a, a, you know a, a good solid restart across most of the world and then we started to see a recovery uh, of sorts and then omicron 
struck <laughs> and it almost seemed as though uh we you know we, we didn't learn any lessons from the past two years and we went straight back to what was happening at the peak of the crisis in 2020 in the middle of 2020 when borders were just completely shut um thankfully you know that didn't last long um it only a matter of you know days in some cases and we're almost now back to those seeing those biosecurity measures coming up again but the targeted um, approach in terms of you know keeping certain countries locked out and so on took a while for us to advocate for governments to open their borders to many parts of the world including many african countries and we're starting to see that again so what has been the impact on on uh, the industry. The industry really had to adapt, as I mentioned, with cargo being a real um, light at the end of the tunnel. But also we started to see a lot of partnerships, a lot more partnerships and and, uh, coordination across African airlines that we hadn't seen uh, in the past. There previously was this winner-takes-all mentality where everybody wanted to stand on their own. But aviation is an industry that generally you know, is founded, the fundamentals of it are cooperation. And so, you know, I think the COVID pandemic forced the industry and the players in the industry to see this clearer um, uh, than, than perhaps had been seen before, that it was important to coordinate and to cooperate with each other. So we're starting to see a lot more partnerships, a lot more cooperations than before. Consolidations, not as many as we might as have been, we've seen in other parts of the world, like in Europe and and in uh, in, in North America. But w- the cooperation aspect is quite promising. So Chinwe, over to you. I think I I believe I've covered quite a lot of uh, the issues that you had for me in in that initial response. So we can we can carry on. Thanks. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you so much for those insightful nuggets. It's it's very interesting to learn the repositioning of the cargo segment. You mentioned that Nigeria was one of the countries that opened up swiftly with regards to air traffic. My next question is tilted towards demand side. Mm-hmm. Now, the average Nigerian consumer has seen little respite from inflationary pressures. Yes. Um, cost of living has increased and some consumers have had to rearrange their spending priorities. Now, given that consumer wallets are under pressure, how can companies within your industry navigate the current state of soft demand? Thank you very much. Um, that, that's a really good question, considering the current state of play of the economy in Nigeria and in other parts of the world. First, let me say that, you know, we've we've done some surveys, uh, um, passenger surveys, just to test appetite. And since 2020, even back then, even with, you know, all of the the scaremongering and and the fear around the pandemic, um, there has been uh, quite a keen interest from passengers or from people willing to travel by air. So there has been over over the period of time. Uh, We recently just did one in in November and 90% of those who were surveyed, 4,700 respondents are um, willing to fly on the basis of simple pre-departure testing. Uh, They're they're happy to do that. But 77% of passengers are 
um, uncertain because of the chaotic uncertainty around travel rules and restrictions. And that has been brought home even much more starkly with the responses of governments and authorities around the world to the discovery of the Omicron variant. But now back to, you know, the 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 appetite um, and the capability of um, travelers to to travel by air. Yes, you know, um, traveling by air has always been seen as a something of a luxury or something for the the preserve of the rich. Um, In other parts of the world, I have to tell you, it's actually the opposite, that traveling by air is mass transportation. It's like getting on a bus. But in Nigeria and in other parts of the world, it is quite expensive. And one of the reasons for that is that you know, aviation is also one of those industries that it's so well organized that it's quite relatively easy to collect money uh, in form of taxes, charges and levies from the industry. And so um, you find, and a lot of people don't know this, but you find that, you know, over half of the average ticket, whether it's domestic or international, is made up of taxes, charges and fees that do not go to the airline, that go to governments or government agencies or or other suppliers in one way or another. So that's one of the big challenges that the industry faces now, which is one, that governments were supportive during the height of the crisis because everyone was in the same boat. But as the industry, as recovery has started, um, we're starting to see more and more governments looking to aviation again to start to collect taxes, not for the purpose of the industry, but but to you know shore up um, treasuries uh, and to fund uh, uh, certain projects and so on, which we push very strongly against. So that that's the first thing is that you know the the cost of the ticket is not just in the control within the control of the airlines. Now there are other things that governments can do beyond minding you know, not putting undue and unnecessary burdens on the industry is also to think about market incentives. How do you incentivize a passenger to come to your country or to come to your region? Why would they do that? And why would, how do you incentivize an airline to come into your country or a region, especially if it's, if it's a, you're just restarting traffic into there because then it has to build up again. When you're comparing where we are now to 2019, where about less than 50% of traffic volumes in 2019, meaning that traffic demand is low. Um, and, and that's a very important uh, point to, to raise. So market incentives and reducing the burden of taxes and charges on the government side. On the airline side, of course, you know, the airlines are known for promos and, uh, you know, uh, different uh, kinds of uh, marketing strategies to attract customers. And we saw that happen a lot over the summer period. Uh, And I I think it would be encouraging to see a lot more of that happening within the domestic sector as well. But one of the big pressing issues in terms of the cost of of tickets, you know, and and the ability um, to stimulate demand and affordability from the on the passenger side is really just making sure that there's the right balance um, between you know uh, the government's expectations from the industries as well as what the airlines themselves can do. Okay, thank you so so much for that. Um, my next question is geared towards um, unemployment, the unemployment rate. 
Now, the pandemic brought with it an increase in the national unemployment rate in Nigeria. The, the rate grew from about 27% to 33% between the second quarter of last year to the final quarter of um, 2020. What impact did this have on IATA's workforce and the workforce of um, businesses across the aviation industry? Yeah, it's a very important question. Um, I think I mentioned before, but let, let me let me spell it out that in in Africa as a continent, I'm going to come to Nigeria in a minute. But in Africa as a continent that we had um, 7.7 million jobs as a direct result of aviation across the entire continent. And uh, aviation was contributing to six sixty three billion dollars in of African GDP. And then. COVID came and we saw those numbers reduced by over 50%. So jobs, 3.2 million jobs just gone up in smoke and um, about 30 something, 35 um, million in GDP lost just because of, you know, the absence, the inability of that industry to continue to function uh, within the context of the economy. And, and that, of course, also applies to Nigeria. As I mentioned before, the aviation sector in Nigeria uh, contributes about, I think, 300,000 jobs or so, um, not just directly from the airlines, but also its catalytic impact, uh, the, the entire ecosystem. And we saw, you know, quite a number of those jobs just disappear, about 100,000 of those jobs went. Uh, this was a really tough um, situation. A lot of people just just found themselves without a job. Um, the airlines were not flying, if you remember. So many of those who had to, who were involved in airline operations, they had nothing, they had no job and they had no salaries for, you know, over a year. Um, and then even when the industry restarted, a lot of airlines again had to adapt. Um, schedules were changed. Um, networks were, were different. And so it wasn't the same numbers that we're seeing coming into that. And it's not just the airline industry. I mean, to your question, this is really something that affected the entire economy and businesses across Nigeria. So many, many businesses were forced to close down, whether it is in you know hospitality, whether it is in uh, um, food and beverage. We saw a lot of that happen. So many, too many to number. There were a few who were resilient enough to be able to survive, uh, but they had to do a few things. Those companies are the companies, I think, that were agile and, and were able to swift, swiftly pivot and they were able to adapt their business models to suit or to, to uh, uh, accommodate the current realities. But others just simply were not able to do that, either because they didn't have enough scale or they didn't have enough flexibility or you know they just didn't have enough time and so a lot of companies have had to go into uh, just disappeared or had to, to close down or, you know, take a break and then start to come back. And of course, you can imagine how much harder it is when you have to when you close down a business and you think about starting it up again. So COVID definitely has severely impacted, you know, the already quite uh, uh, poor employment uh, 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 landscape in Nigeria and in many parts of the world. And um, I think the recovery for that is, is going to take some time. I'm not sure what is being forecast for employment, but in our industry, uh, recovery of our industry for Africa certainly is not being forecast until 2026 to back to 2019 levels. Well, that's very interesting. 2026, that's a long um, outlook. 
I'm glad you highlighted business model adjustments because it fits nicely to the next discussion point, um, which is what are your perceptions regarding the future of the aviation industry? Do you think we could see a permanent change in business models? Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. Uh, and we've, the, the COVID has definitely brought that home to the airline industry. I think we're, we're already starting to see some great innovations coming out of the industry. So, um, again, many people probably don't know this, but... Um, an African carrier, Kenya Airways, pioneered what is called today the Prater, which is a converted passenger aircraft into a full freighter aircraft. That's what the airlines had to do during the height of the COVID when there were simply no passengers flying. And all most of the airlines um, had to think about what to do to survive. And Kenya Airways um, converted a Boeing 787, a Dreamliner, that, you know, high-end aircraft designed for passenger travel into a freighter to carry cargo from end to end. And it pioneered it, meaning that that was the first of its kind in the entire world. I know Africa is always in the news for all sorts of, you know, <laughs> doom and gloom, but we do a lot of really good things. Uh, we also started, you know, beyond that, you know, the drones, I think, got a lot of um, action uh, over the period, but mainly to deliver uh, medicines and medical supplies to remote areas and, 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 and so on. And we had already started to see quite a lot of activity there um, before the pandemic. So th there was a lot of innovation and the airlines were starting to adapt um, those business models. So like I mentioned, you know, having a Prater being part of your your main fleet is, is something that is really um, is new uh, and it's, it's quite interesting. Before you had the passenger side of travel and then you had a cargo side, but now you've really seen a mainstreaming of cargo within the main aviation business. I think that has been one of the single largest or, or biggest innovations um, today. And that's really important when you think about it because aviation is a facilitator of economic development and trade is a key driver of economic development. And it's also opportune because this is a time when the um, Africa Continental Free Trade um, Agreement and area has been launched. And, and so a time for Nigeria to trade with its African uh, partners and African countries to trade with each other, as well as to trade with the rest of the world. So it's a good time for this kind of innovation to have come into into the landscape. There's also um, a lot of innovation happening in the technological space in terms of digitization. So the use of digital platforms to do uh, so many things that were previously done manually is really important. And the airlines are doing that in so many different ways. But one of the ways that is it's, it's being globally handled and, and one of the ways that IATA is, is championing it is through digitization of facilitating passengers through the airport and the travel process. We've been doing that for cargo for years through e-airway bills and, and, and the um, electronic uh, processes. But um, we've been trying very hard to try and to do it for passengers. And now, you know, we've been able to break through that barrier because what we're starting to see as, as 
uh, industry was restarting um, and, and there was re- recovery, we started to see the recovery, is that it was taking so much longer to process passengers within the airport terminal. So the wait time started to increase. The inefficiencies were there within the system um, and so on. But we, we launched... Um, a digital platform called IATA Travel Pass, which is a way for governments to verify health credentials of travelers. Um, and it's it's really great. It's just, you know, it's an app. It's an app on your phone, an application on your phone. And, and it's you know, done in connection with laboratories and countries and with the airlines. And it's really a seamless process. So we, we don't have it yet in Nigeria because um, we don't yet have an airline that is trialing it. But it's um, being trialed right now by Ethiopian Airways, uh, Rwanda Airlink in South Africa and a few other, quite a number of other airlines are waiting in the pipeline to trial it. And, and it's quite important. The African Union also has a digital platform um, that is it's being used in different parts of, of the African continent for African travelers, if intra-African traffic, called the Trusted Travel Pass. So digitization is a very important way of facilitating passengers, especially so that governments can verify the health protocols and, and also to ensure that, you know, the risk of fraud is mitigated or minimized as much as possible. Okay, thank you so much for that. I am very glad to hear about the use of um, technology and innovation. And I'm looking forward to hearing about some of these um, digitization approaches in Nigeria's aviation industry. Now, from your vantage point, what would you say are the main lessons from the pandemic? Okay, so the first thing I'll say is that we were all in it together. And so it it made the world connected, even though we're not connected by air, but it made the world connected in a way that it had never been connected because we were all in the same situation. It wasn't just, oh, this is something that's localized to Asia or localized to Africa or localized to North America. Everyone was in the same situation. And what that did was it brought everyone else to the table. Um, and, and I saw cooperation like I have not seen it before happen during the time of COVID-19, during the height of the crisis. The industry itself cooperated in a way that it had not um done before. And so one of the lessons that we've learned is that it is possible to cooperate. And it's a very important lesson. I think it's probably one of the most important lessons of the entire pandemic. And there's this tendency for us to go back into what we know, to go back into our comfort zones and to break, to go back into our respective silos. But we found that we were able to break out of those comfort zones and out of those silos and really have constructive conversations around the table across ecosystems to ensure that we could get the world economies and the world aviation industry restarted. So one cooperation is possible. The other thing is that, you know, is that if we have put some things or measures in place that work, then we should try to stick with those measures using risk-based approaches and data rather than going back into fear and emotive reactions. And I'm saying that particularly now because of what we have seen happen with the Omicron. It's showing us almost as though we learned nothing over the past two years. 
And so, you know, the, the, these reactions, the knee-jerk reactions, we've heard them called, is also been called Pavlovian reaction. It's almost like your instinct. Oh, my goodness. Something happens. The first thing I do is shut down. First thing I do is say no. First thing I do is say you can't. No, we moved past that already. So the important thing is to is to retain what we've learned. <laughs> Sometimes we learn lessons and then, you know, they just disappear, but also to retain what we've learned and to continue to learn as we go along. The third is to trust the science. You know, let, let us know as, as, as things are evolving, let's wait and wait and see what the science is telling us. And then we can react and then we can take action. That's important. The fourth is that we've got to be prepared for the unexpected or, you know, what I heard someone once describe as life's imponderables, those things that you just could never have fathomed. Uh, and this is what the COVID-19 has shared, showed us that, we've got to be prepared. So you've got to be strategically thinking ahead um, of the worst case of the black swan. The, the COVID-19 was the black swan event of our time. So we've got to constantly be thinking about those things and constantly be ensuring that we're planning around, you know, how to address those. So crisis management, resource optimization, design thinking, um, and, and, and so and all these kinds of concepts are going to be really important um, as we move forward. Uh, the other is to embrace the use of technology. Um, technology is our friend. We saw how, you know, Zoom <laughs> really became the virtual connector of the world because the world could not connect in the way that it was used to. Um, driving became an issue even at some point. So going to a meeting was a challenge, talk less of flying. Uh, and, and now we have this virtual world. And so, you know, let's again use it to advantage and know that we can, it, we, it can be done. I think maybe... Another point just to raise is that there is, again, great examples of public-private partnerships and collaborations over this period, and we should continue to build on those and to see how we can use that to support you know, our economies, our people, and our industry. Okay. I love what you said about retaining what we have learned as opposed to just noting the lessons, as well as embracing the use of technology and of course the boost to the triple p the public private partnership model um we're you know coming to the end of this conversation the final discussion point is really trying to get a feel of what your forward-thinking view with regards to business activity within the aviation industry and its potential impact on economic growth and development in the short to medium term Okay, that's great. And I think this is like my favorite question of the entire <laughs> session because now we can really talk about the opportunities and potential. So there is um, there's some great initiatives that the African Union under its umbrella 2063 has, um, has, uh, has launched. Um, there are 12 projects in, in all, 12 initiatives, but the first three that have been launched are the single African air transport market, the African continental free trade area, and the free movement movement uh, protocol for movement of goods and services. What do all these three things, initiatives stand for? It is connectivity. 
it is standing for a better connected Africa. Now, aviation is right in the middle of that because aviation can play such a key central role in accelerating the integration of Africa. Again, for those who don't know, Africa is a huge continent. The size on the map is not representative of its true size. You can fit the USA, China, Mexico, Europe, and so on into the landmass of Africa. And we don't have alternative means of transportation that people can, that can really facilitate that you know, objective of African unity, which is, you know, regional integration. So what is it that can happen? Well, aviation is, is an accelerator. Three kilometers of road will take you from the beginning of that road to the end of the third kilometer, to the end of the kilometer of three kilometers. But three kilometers of runway can take you from your that point anywhere you want to go. And that's how we need to think about what the impact of aviation is. And for those, you know, in terms of the theme of, of this podcast, in terms of the opportunity for investment. This is where the opportunity lies. Um, the single African air transport market is designed to connect African cities better. Nigerian aviation can play a critical role here as a West African hub and as a connector for the entire African continent for people moving people goods and services around the African continent. The African continent is our playing ground. It is our base. Um, so we, we've got to think about how to develop within first before we think of, we, 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 we can really hope to um, develop significantly outside. And, and there's a lot of opportunity within that model. So my, my, my main point would be embrace the opportunities that these strategic initiatives bring. The African continental free trade area, another key one. And a great example that, you know, people can think about is perishables from Nigeria. We know that we grow a lot of food in Nigeria, but half of the food that we grow wastes. Um, a lot of it in terms of quality, et cetera, is not able to go to Western markets. But we can perhaps work with other African countries to see what we can do together. So these are some of the opportunities. And aviation can take, you know, perishables within a 24-hour period. The Kenyan market is known for doing this easily. There are flowers that are cut at 4 a.m. in the morning uh, on a table in Chile at you know the next morning so this is is normal it's something that is doable there are opportunities in that value chain in terms of the logistics of moving perishables cold storage cold trucking uh, and and then the export um, uh, free trade zone. How would that facilitate uh, um, goods moving out of the uh, out of of Nigeria into other African countries and indeed the rest of the world? So it's really the opportunities that arise there. And then the airlines themselves embracing the continent as a as an investment opportunity, opening up. Um, sites or, or, or secondary bases in other African countries. Ethiopian Airlines does this very, very well. It's part of their it's part of their strategy. They actually design it that way. They open hubs in different parts of the of, of Africa, but by taking a stake in the airlines, uh, in certain airlines, and we have many examples, Malawi, Chad, um, um, uh, Togo, and so on. Nigerian Airlines can do the same thing. So these are some of the opportunities that arise 
prize. Uh, and, and, and the prize is really great. We've just done a study that shows that if we're able to better connect Africa, all 54 countries in Africa, we will see an increase in GDP, additional GDP to whatever else is being generated on the continent of over 5.4 billion US dollars. would see an, a, an increase in the number of jobs just from the industry of about 600,000 additional new jobs and so many other benefits. And beyond the economic benefits, we also linked it to the UN Sustainable Development Goals and what, what, what aviation can do. And it helps also with poverty alleviation uh, zero hunger, a uh, good health and well-being, and even gender balance. So there's great opportunities here um, in, in terms of what investors can be looking at. Um, look at the innovations, the technological innovations that can come out of the industry. And, and and my final point though is that we do need to have, you know, continue to have a call to governments that in order for the industry to thrive, we've got to create an enabling, favorable environment. Uh, whether that's legally, whether that's financially, whether that's um, regulatory uh, or even environmentally to ensure that the industry thrives to do what it does best, connect people and contribute to socioeconomic development. Thank you. Thank you so much. Indeed, one cannot um, overemphasize the need for a conducive investment and business environment. Thank you so much, Funke, for accepting our invitation to share from your extensive bank of knowledge. I completely enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so thank, much. Thank you, Chinwei, for giving me the opportunity. Thank you for listening. Be sure to look out for the next episode. In the meantime... Reflect on the insightful nuggets you received and don't forget to share the coronation conversations across your network. You can listen to our pod series by visiting www.coronationmb.com or on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, Spreaker, and Player FM. 